Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Fides is Latin for faith and truth, and that's what we do on this show is talk about truth and talk about faith. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, the great song that you're hearing in the background is my friend Frank Camp. You could find him on Spotify. Great song. This song is called Heaven Can Wait. But thanks for being here, and let's get right to it. Okay, and welcome to another edition of Feed Ace Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm uh, here with Talent on Loan from Rush. And uh, my guest today is Lieutenant Colonel Ray Moore. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Moore is, uh, is a retired military chaplain, a homeschooling pioneer, and the nation's leading advocate of a mass exodus of Christian children from the government schools. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, thanks for being here. Well, hey, thanks, Jerry, for having me, and I'm happy to be talking to, I think you said some of your audiences in the state of Ohio, and that's a very fertile state for what we're talking about, and uh, I know you have them uh, around the country, but we we like Ohio. Well, that's good. I do, too. I think it's a great state, um, and uh, I know uh, uh, education is a big deal here, and it is a big deal everywhere. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, you know, that you're big into is the concerns and the issues about the public schools and what kids are being taught in schools. And I, I have little kids and certainly I've been through school and the like. Um, so maybe just to, just to start, uh, you know, what prompted you, cause you've been doing this for a very long time. What prompted you to get into this arena of, of, of su- the support of changing the schools and getting people out of schools due to the issues in schools? Right. Well, I'm an old guy now. I'm 77, but I may look like I'm 60. So we've been at this a long time. We officially have been advocating this approach through the ministry of Mm -hmm. exodusmandate.org. If your audience will write that down, exodusmandate.org. And I started that about 24 years ago, and we've been at it a long time. But prior to that, my wife and I, began homeschooling our oldest child Mm -hmm. when we were living in Indiana in the seventies. And I was finishing up my theological seminary training at Grace Seminary in Winona Lake, Indiana. And our oldest son, and we had just moved to Purdue University to start a campus evangelical ministry. And our oldest son was six and we didn't know what we were gonna do and uh, we were having a lot of reservations about putting him in a public school for some of the same reasons that people have them today. But of course, the system had gotten had not gotten so horrible then as it is today. And so we prayed and sought the Lord and read a few uh, a book that kind of laid out that the home, the homeschool model was what existed in the uh, apostolic era, and also that Jesus was homeschooled for the first 12 years of his life. So we Mm -hmm. saw, well, if that's what they did, maybe we could do it too. So we launched out into the deep and the unknown in 1977 with our oldest son and homeschooled him. He's 50 years old now. And, uh, and he came out of it pretty well, but we, he, I remember the day really well when we announced him, he wasn't going to school. And at six years of age, he knew it was weird. Mm -hmm. 
said, mom and daddy, don't do this to me. I remember that very well. He doesn't remember it today. And we said, no, we're just going to take it one year at a time. If it doesn't work, we'll put you in school. Well, we never did. Mm-hmm. It worked so well. And it was just an exciting discovery we made. And uh, Jerry, we think we were probably among the first one or 200 families in America in the modern era. It's so hard to know how many were doing it in those days because people really went underground. They kept it quiet. They didn't announce it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the early 80s uh, that Dr. Dobson had a program and pushed it out in a way that it grew by thousands overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So um, the you know the indoctrination of of our kids is you know one of the biggest uh, things that you talk about and you write about. Um, wh- what do you see as the key issues right now that kids are being uh, sort of forced into in the public schools? The indoctrination and how did that? How does today today's issues differ from back in 1977? Well, I think it. In 77, it's been so long ago, I can't really remember the details, but there was a lot of uh, liberal trends in. They were teaching sex education in the schools apart from the biblical idea of Christian covenant marriage for life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would talk about partners instead of spouses. And we just thought that was wrong. Of course, they've gone so far beyond that today. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, they're pushing transgender in the schools, uh, LGBTQ. It's just so terrible today Mm -hmm. that it's hard to imagine Christians could leave their children there. I finished high school in 1961. That tells you how old I am. And we still had prayer in homeroom every day and Bible reading. We would read a a scripture passage and then pray the Lord's Prayer every day in Mm -hmm. public school. And then we had chapel once a month. And I don't think it was untypical all over the nation at that time. Mm-hmm. But then in 62 and 63, the famous or infamous uh, prayer and Bible reading decisions came and they expelled any practice of Christianity from public schools. But if they had tried some of the things in the 60s that they're doing now with legal sanction and permission and, and by law, if they had done it in the 60s, what they're doing today, we'd put the teachers and the administrators in jail for it. Right. That's how far we've sunk. They right. would go to jail for what they're doing today if it, if it was back in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a terrible situation, and Christians have got to get their kids out, and that's what we've been advocating for 25 years. Yeah, and it, it's you know it's interesting because it's it's a fight that you know you know we when my kids were firstborn and getting ready. We talked about, thought about homeschooling. Ultimately we didn't, and it, it probably wouldn't have worked for us, but you know, we have to fight the battle if we do keep our kids in school, because um, you know, obviously it's a huge challenge and, and uh, that they face, you know, and not everyone can homeschool and the like. So, um, so in your book um, you have a book, let my children go. Um, and obviously it's a, it's a, in-depth book and a lot of topics, but one of the things you talk about is, um, is the poor education. I mean, we're one thing, you know, indoctrination is certainly a a big concern, but the, the poor education they're getting, um, tell me about that and and why you think that is occurring, that the educational part of it, science, math, reading, so on has become so poor. 
Well, in the early days when Christianity was officially expelled from public education, that would have been in the 60s, uh, the school still maintained a, a Christian or conservative or traditional approach, pedagogy. Mm-hmm. And, and so math, you know, two plus two was four. <laughs> and we studied American history. We studied Washington and the founders and we looked upon them in a favorable way. Um, we, you know, if they taught evolution, they allowed creation to be taught alongside. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of that is true today. Uh, right. We have critical race theory that's permeated the schools. And so all the founders were evil because some of them did own slaves, not saying that was a good thing. It's a bad thing, but it was a system of the time. And they, George Washington was a slave owner, but he freed his slaves at his, and his will at his death. And mm-hmm. he also provided pensions for the older slaves who were infirm. Um, they were caught in a bad system. And again, I'm not justifying it, but they didn't know how to get out of this system, mm-hmm. but they gradually uh, repealed it. And uh, even the constitution when it was set up, made provisions that it would be phased out and there would be no more slave trade after 1808. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, these are some sad chapters of our history, but the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence mm-hmm. was a promissory note for African American people that they too would someday enter into the enjoyment of the American dream, and mm-hmm. they can and have today. So we can't just go back in history and uh, condemn everybody uh, for what mm-hmm. happened in those days. Uh, so uh, the 1619 Project is a, a, a program that uh, says that the, the, the whole history of the United States revolves around slavery. That was the fundamental uh, foundation of our society. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are objecting to that and, 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 uh, you know, challenging it, and it was it's being taught in the schools. Now, the Trump administration, before they were uh, summarily removed from power, uh, had the 1776 project, which was to actually teach the good side and the happy side of American history, and it is a very good, a good side. So, these are the kind of things that are happening in our schools, and mm-hmm. so our children are not even getting a basic history. They're not getting yeah. uh, basic, uh, they deconstruct the English language mm-hmm. and, and make it a, a white racist uh, language. So there's not a lot of really good education going on in many of our public schools, leaving out the side that they're teaching them uh, and indoctrinating them as well. Yeah, that's a good point. When you think about the school year, it's obviously not the full year. Uh, the school day is, uh, you know, when you take out uh, lunch and, and breaks and recess and things of that nature, there aren't that many hours in the day that they're actually l- learning math and reading and so on. And when you fill it with critical race theory and all these other things, that's less is your point to, um, to, to the stuff that really they're there to do. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on common core? We've had to deal with that with our kids and, and we, it's as silly as, as we can understand. It's just yeah, silly. Well, we, and, we actually have but, a movie we created called uh, Escaping Common Core, mm-hmm. Setting Our Children Free. 
And so if anybody is there would like to order that, they can go to exodusmandate.org. That's the webpage. Or they can go to exodusmandate at gmail.com and order a copy. And we'll be happy to send it to them for a donation. I think we need probably at least uh, 10 or $12 for it because mm -hmm. it does cost us. Sure. But it is a donation. And so if you can't afford that, just ask us for it and make a recommendation for what you can send. And, and, but that issue is sort of passed now. It's still there. Uh, I don't want to say it's still in the schools, but mm -hmm. it's sort of uh, because of all the new things, uh, transgender and all these things, people have moved on to worse things in common core as bad as that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, believe me, it's been frustrating because we try to help our kids with things. And as adults, we, we could look and see how, how to do a simple math problem that we were taught. And they give you some complicated mess that we can't do. Um, um, I want to ask you about uh, the, 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 the whole concept of, of what is happening with our schools. And if you, you know, if you look at many of the Marxists, believers and the like, and they, one of their fundamental or foundational principles is to get kids in the school. Um, what are the origins of, of Marxism in the okay. education system? Yeah, very, very good question, Jerry. I don't get asked that often. It shows that you're on top of things. That's very <laughs> good on, on your part. Uh, we call it a political correctness today, or sometimes it has a name of cultural Marxism or social justice. And uh, it shows itself in such uh, terms as critical race theory, mm -hmm. intersectionality. And these are our cultural Marxist terms. Now, where do they come from? Well, it goes back and a lot of most Americans and conservative Christians have no idea about this. But in the 30s, 1930s, that's been a long time before either of us were born. There was a vigorous debate going on in Europe between the Marxist Leninists and the followers of Antonio Gramsci. And uh, he's some, one of the most important men in history that most of us have never heard of. And uh, the Leninists, the Marxist Leninists in Russia, that was the, uh, they wanted to take over the world through violent revolution. And their idea was that the proletariat, that would be the working class, would rise up in violence and throw off the power of the bourgeoisie, that was a middle or rich or capitalistic class, mm -hmm. and take power. And they saw it through violence. And uh, that was how it would take place. Well, Gramsci said, no, it's not going to happen that way. We have to have the long march through the institutions because Christianity is so embedded in the West. And, they, and by that, they meant Italy, Germany, France, England. And it was both Catholic and Protestant at that time. You know, there were Lutheran uh, nations and Catholic nations. He said, look, they are even the working class, the proletariat, are so respectful of Christianity, they're not going to revolt against the church. Mm -hmm. And we're not, that, your method won't win. We have to take our time and infiltrate the churches, the colleges, the schools, the media, the courts, and we'll take over by uh, secretively uh, taking over the institutions. And he used the term the long march through the institutions. And that's been going on since the 30s. Now, what happened in the mid-30s, Hitler came to power in Germany 
And there was a group in Frankfurt, Germany that followed Gromsky's methods or his techniques and they left Germany and came to the United States because Hitler had come to power. Now they were fascists too. They were communists and Hitler was sort of at odds with the communists, but they both were a fascist group. I don't mm -hmm. want to act right. like Hitler was a good guy because he certainly wasn't. He was about as bad as it gets. So they fled to America and set up shop in Columbia Teachers University in Columbia University in New York. That was the home of John Dewey. He's the father of progressive education. And he helped them spread through the universities of America and names like Herbert Marcusa, uh, Theodore Ordono, Eric Fromm. These are popular names that were part of the Frankfurt School. Mm -hmm. And they infiltrated our universities. And this is where political correctness came from. And they pretty well taken control now of most all of our universities. And now it's seeping down to K-12. So this, they've won the, the battle in mm -hmm. many ways. And most people have no idea, but look up the Frankfurt School or look up Antonio Gramsci, uh, the most important man that most people have not heard of. Oh, that was that was very interesting. I didn't I didn't know the, uh, so much of that uh, the specifics either. Um, it, it, that was really great and really uh, insightful and informative. So, do, do you think that the you know the reason that our education system because it's even pretty, you know, I don't know that you find many non liberals even in in high schools as far as teachers are concerned and the teachers unions. Do you think it's because of that? what all that went on or do you think that there's something else also that you know if a conservative becomes a teacher eventually they become a liberal or something like that does that happen or, or, or yeah it or, does happen a lot um, yeah. a lot of our christian uh, children or teenagers go to state universities and they're subject to the same indoctrination and brainwashing that a non-Christian would be. So a lot of them come out, they love the Lord, they're Christians, but they really are secular humanists or <laughs> in their mind. They, they're, they're, they're mind. they've saved their souls because they've accepted Christ, but their minds are lost. And so that's why Christian worldview is so important uh, to have a Christian worldview. And a lot of our, even our Christian schools are not teaching that. So uh, we do. We have a lot of that in our movement. We have the uh, Nehemiah Institute, uh, and they published the Pierce Test, which is a worldview exam. And we had uh, they administer it to a lot of Christian schools, you know, try to test and see where the teachers are. And mm -hmm. it's really surprising how many good, solid Christian teachers have been brainwashed because they went through Antonio Gramsci in the Frankfurt School without knowing what it was. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to ask you, you know, one area that I, I'm not sure if you wrote about, but I did uh, see it in uh, some of my research and preparing for this was uh, the discussion on uh, things that are being taught, such as climate change and things of that nature. And, um, you know, I have my own beliefs, but based upon facts and evidence and logic and science on climate change. But you know, that's being pushed, you know, the planet's right. going to be destroyed in 10 years, 12 years, we are evil because we drive cars and so on and so forth. Um, is, do they use that issue? Do they, first of all, do they really believe it? Second of all, are they using that issue as a means of putting power 
in control in the hands of government? I think the first question I'm not so sure about whether they believe it or not. Mm -hmm. But the second question I'm sure about that they are using it as a mean to put fear into children and to use it to manipulate the culture. And we know uh, there may be some kind of climate change, but it's not man-made. Mm -hmm. um, history has gone through, you know, cataclysmic climate changes. And uh, the, the idea is that man is doing it and we can fix it by cutting out uh, fossil fuels. It's just ludicrous, silly. Mm -hmm. So no, I don't I don't agree with that approach, and uh, and we know that uh, after the flood, uh, God said He would not destroy the nation of the world by uh, by water again, and uh, so you know that we know that there will be some kind of continuity in in the planet. Uh, there's going to be changes, and that we have hurricanes in the South and in Ohio and Indiana, you have tornadoes, mm -hmm. and so there's always going to be radical drastic changes but there will be some continuity until jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom yeah it, it's always interesting to me that, that that this is the one area of science that that they claim is infallible you know there's no there's no questioning it there's no counter information there's no discussion and discovery um and i often wonder if they ask themselves these great scientists you know what the impact is of the sun on our climate. You know, there's no possible way we could know all that goes on in the sun. And certainly that impacts, uh, um, that impacts the climate as well. well. It's not even true, Jerry, that all scientists agree. There's a large right. body of scientists that protest that. And I believe the discovery Institute in Seattle is one of the main ones. There are eminent scientists associated with them and they challenge a lot of these, uh, I call them lies. Now, do people believe them and think they're true? I think, yeah, I think some of the, and that's one thing the scripture tells us that it says that in Second uh, Timothy, get the text, maybe it's chapter two. Mm -hmm. Paul says there are deceivers, people who are deceiving, and they are being deceived themselves. Mm -hmm. So a person who is a deceiver and a liar, he also has a tendency to fall for lies and deception. He's just, you mm -hmm. know, in a an honorable person, a Christian person, if really seeking the truth will be not as susceptible to that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, by far, it, uh, there, there is no consensus of scientists. I've read many, many great scientists who, who again, counter the claim uh, um, that, that some of these alarmists put forward. So well, you're absolutely... Far, I know where time is going fast yep. and I, the questions you're asking are good, Yep. but I want to put a plug in. Yep, you know, please do. You have a group there called the Center for Christian Virtue, and the uh, webpage is ccv.org. And I, I think they're based in Columbus, but it's a very fine group. It's the pro-family, main pro-family group for the state of Ohio. And Aaron Bayer, B-A-E-R, is the CEO and president. And they've recently added a staff person I believe he used to be the headmaster at Grace Brethren uh, Christian School in Worthington, Ohio. Okay. To go about, they're going to go out and start Christian schools and churches and help grow homeschooling in the state of Ohio. And I want your audience to know that. And it's ccv.org and get behind that effort. So Ohio is one of the most important states in the nation. 
and there's a lot of Christians and a lot of conservative people, and this group is very mm -hmm. worthy. And uh, and I know them a little bit. I know a couple of people that work there. Great. And uh, they've got great leadership. And I think they budgeted four hundred thousand uh, dollars either this year or next year for this. And they've hired a man who has had a experience as a headmaster of a very large Christian school. Excellent. Great. Uh, no, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you might want to call them and get them on the show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that that's fantastic. Uh, CCV.org. CCV.org. for Christian Virtue. Absolutely. And, um, and your website, ExodusMandate.org. Yeah. Um, and also, is... uh, we're promoting some today if we got time. Yep. I'm also chairman of a group, a, a new group that's really about a year and a half old now called publicschoolexit.com. And they have a lot bigger, I'm the chairman of the board and one of the board members, but they've got a, a bigger budget than Exodus Mandate. So we're members of that and helping them. And they're based in San Diego, okay. but they're reaching out all over the nation. And even two weeks ago, we had a conference call with some pastor and his staff from Vancouver, British Columbia, and they're trying to get their kids out of public schools as well in British Columbia. I think he's working with about a dozen churches. So this is a world movement mm -hmm. and uh, the children are really being harmed in these schools. And uh, we need to try to get churches and families to start providing. So have your uh, members look up exodusmandate.org. That's more about me and my ministry. And then the other website would be publicschoolexit.com. There's a lot of information about how to get started, uh, curricula, and it's, it's more practical of how to get involved in homeschooling and private Christian schooling. Excellent. Thank you so much for all that and uh, for, for all that information, the, all the websites, but all the, also your take and perspective on, on these really important issues. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ray Moore, uh, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jerry. It's great to meet you and uh, say hello to the wonderful people in Ohio. I will. I will. And uh, so, yeah, thank you for being here. And thank all of you for being here, uh, for listening to this episode of V-Day's podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Ray Moore. Uh, appreciate you all being here and we'll see you next time. Thanks. I know.